0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4. Good to see everyone tonight. It's uh, good to be together again on this Lord's Day to study from another portion of His Word. We have been um, studying the letters um, of John. We have uh, been making our way through 1 John, and Lord willing, we'll finish this up and look at 2nd and 3rd John. They're very small letters there, 2nd and 3rd John, but as is with all Scripture, it's very important. And um, lots that we can learn from that. One of the, uh, the ideas and the reason um, for John's writing these letters is, as is with the case of uh, a lot of the New Testament writers, is to refute false doctrine. And John um, handles that head-on. And as we've mentioned in the past, there's a group known as the Gnostics that had gone out already and had started to pervert the gospel. And John meets them head-on. And, and so a lot of that carries through in his writings, and especially what we're going to look at tonight, um, about refuting false doctrine. And these Gnostics, as you remember, are those who claim to, to know a special uh, knowledge uh, a special revelation, if you will, about um, God's will. And if, um, as we also mentioned, they um, weren't unified in their um, false doctrine, if you will. They, some of them be- didn't believe Jesus was a man. Some didn't believe Jesus was a deity. Um, so even in their their false doctrine, they weren't unified. And so John makes it very clear that in order to believe Uh, In order to be a child of God, you have to believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and was indeed the Son of God. And so right here in in chapter 4, again, he hits that head on and and talks about that a bit. So that's what we'll look at tonight. We're going to look at just the first six verses here in 1 John chapter 4. So I, I keep threatening to have a short lesson, so this one might be, but I'm not, don't make any promises. Um... But we'll share some thoughts here and look at these six verses. And we can uh, dig out and, and get a lot from these, as, as is the case with, um, with John's writing. Um, but let's just dive in here and, and understand that um, John is telling uh, the brethren here that they needed to test the spirits. Um, that there needed to be some kind of standard by which... Um, preachers and teachers of the gospel needed to be measured. And so he spends some time here um, delving into that and and making sure that they understand that that men who who teach and preach the gospel need to be held to account. And there needs to be that standard by which they are held. And that comes down to us today. We need to make sure that we are holding teachers and preachers to uh, that same standard, the, the word of God. So we'll talk about that as we go along as well. But so lesson seven here um, is about testing the spirits. And so let's uh, begin by reading um, verses one through three. John says here, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know, that, uh, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. So John, um, first of all, um, notice how he uh, addresses his audience here. He says beloved or beloved. This is a term of endearment we see, and we're going to see a little bit later on, a, another term of endearment. But it, it should communicate to us the idea that there's a love there. That there is a love and a care and a compassion um, that John has to his audience here. And, and he is, is pleading with them. We see this in scripture when, when these terms are used like this as, as, a, as an indication of uh, the feelings that the author has for the brethren. So he calls them beloved. He, he's, he's pleading with them, as he makes his case here, um, a, a plea to the dear brethren that he is writing to. And he tells them to uh, not believe every spirit. Um, and so he says there, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Um, if you think about, uh, just in a um, a very practical application, um, we might say it this way, don't believe everything you hear. Um, we, as I mentioned in our lesson this morning, we are inundated with false doctrine, from denominationalism um, to even amongst the brethren, there's, there's false doctrine that creeps in. So we have to be constantly on guard against that. And one of the things we have to, one easy way to do that is, is to test, don't believe everything you hear. Judge it against the Word of God. And, and I try to make that point often, and I hope that you all take me seriously when I say, don't believe my word for it. Look to the Word of God and make sure that what I'm saying is in accordance with the Word of God, because that's the standard by which we'll all be held. So don't believe everything you hear. Um, and there needs to be inherent in this uh, a putting to test, a putting to the test, the teachers that, that stand before us and teach Bible classes and preach. We need to make sure that they. Are holding firm now. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, there, there's good ways and bad ways of going about this. It, it doesn't mean you, you're, you're nasty to them or call them out in the middle of a class and try to embarrass them. That's not the point. The point is that they need to ma- that we need to make sure that what's being taught is the truth. And if it doesn't line up, then there's ways in which we can handle that. And, and ask questions and, uh, and do that. But it has to be done, if, if these are, are brethren of ours, in a loving, kind, spirited way. Um, again, not trying to, to, to embarrass someone or call them out without the proper backing. Um, so he says, don't believe every spirit, but to test the spirits. And they're either of truth or they're of error you look down there in verse 6, the last part of verse 6, and we'll get to this in a little bit more detail, but it says there, by this, at the very end of verse 6, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So it's very clear in the argument that we're going to look at here as he lays it out, it's either one or the other. It's either of the truth or it's of error. And so the test that we uh, need to put them through is looking for that. Is it the truth? If it's not, it's error. So it's very simple. And to test this means to try or to, or, to, or to scrutinize. So what we do is we listen to the words that are said, the teaching that is done, and we scrutinize that. We test it to see if it's um, from God or from the world. And that's going to come up again a little bit later too. But it reminds us of Acts chapter 17, the, those good Bereans, um, that is mentioned here in chapter 17, verse 11. It says there that these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for when they received the word with great eagerness, examining scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So even as the word of God was going out and the, and the gospel is being preached, these good Bereans give us a good example of how it ought to be done. Here's the 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 word that these apostles and these others are are going about teaching about Jesus Christ. And what are they doing? They're examining the scriptures to see if this is true. And remember, what scriptures are they examining? They're, they have the Old Testament. They're looking at the Old Testament, and there's plenty there to, to talk about the coming Messiah. So that's what they're looking at, to see if the things that these prophets, uh, or these uh, apostles are, are teaching them are indeed true. They compare that to the scripture, to the word of God. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 2, as uh, Jesus is speaking to the church at Ephesus, he says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. So see, there's another good example of how this ought to be done, putting people to the test. And the church here in Ephesus is, is, uh, Jesus praises them for that. Um, he's going to go on to condemn them for lo- losing their first love, losing sight of uh, what it is they, they, they should be holding on to. But he does praise them in this manner, that they're testing to see whether the things that are being taught are true. So that comes down to us as well. Um, he says that many false prophets have gone out. Um, if you, at the end of verse 1 there, many, because many false prophets have gone out, Into the world. If you look back over in chapter 2, in verse uh, 18, John writes, The children, it is our last hour, or it is the last hour. And just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they are really not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they are not of us. Now, as we often mention, John is the only, the only one of the New Testament writers to mention Antichrist, to use this term, those who are against Christ, those are who are antithetical to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And he says here in verse 1 and back of their, what we just read, that they've already gone out into the world. It's not that there's a coming antichrist and it's not that it's a coming sign of the apocalypse as is so much error that's being taught about that. John makes it clear they've already gone out into the world. And he says that they've come from us, but they're really not of us. If they would have been of us, they would still be with us. But it leads us to understand that these are ones that have come out, heard the teachings um, of the apostles, and have gone off into error. And so John makes it very clear that they have already gone out and already perverting the gospel. And there have been uh, warnings that this was going to take place. Um, Jesus made the warnings himself. He said, beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. There's our Lord making the, the prediction there about these who are going to come and be false prophets who are going to be antithetical to the teachings of Jesus. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, Peter says it this way, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. So here again, there's the addressing of those who are denying Jesus Christ, denying who he was, denying his ministry and and what it meant. And Peter says, you got to be aware of that, that these are going to come. So how do we tell the difference then? How do you tell the difference if we're asked to test the spirits? um, What is the test? And it's very simple, really. Every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Look there in verse 2. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God... Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So in in this context, John says it's very, very simple. If they confess that Jesus Christ is from God, then that's a righteous spirit. That is a spirit of truth. And then the opposite is true as well. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is from God is himself not from God. Look there in verse 3. Every spirit um, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So in the context here, the test is very simple. If those who are coming and teaching are denying who Jesus Christ was and is, they're not to be trusted. They're not to be trusted. And he goes on to say, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. So here in, verse, uh, in chapter 4 and back over there in, in chapter 2 are the mentions of the Antichrist. He'll mention it again in, uh, I think it's third, his third letter, the word Antichrist. But as we've mentioned, John is the only one that uses that term, and these are those who are going out and teaching a perversion of the gospel. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And as we've mentioned, they are already in the world. This is not a a coming and a sign of the end day. They're already out in the world by the time John is writing this, of course. So that's the test. Um, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is not from God is is not a a true spirit. But if you do confess that Jesus is from God, then uh, you are indeed a true spirit. So let's talk about that. Um, the, the spirit of truth. Let's read um, the remaining verses here, 4 through 6, and we'll make some points from here. Verse 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So let's first talk about the spirit of truth as John concludes this portion of the text. Again, he um, addresses them in an endearing way. He says, um, little children, you are from God, little children. Again, there's a another term of endearment. And he uses children and little children and beloved all throughout this, all throughout his writing here. Um, he says that you are from God. You are of the truth. Remember, this is the, the parallel that he's drawing here. And it says that you have overcome the Antichrist. He says, verse 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? What's the them that he's talking about? Well, in the context... Going back, it's those who deny Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And he defines them as antichrists. He says, but you have overcome them. And how is it that they have overcome them? And it's it's by confessing that Jesus came in the flesh. Look back in verse 2. It says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So how is it that they have overcome them? Well, they have made that confession. They have confessed that Jesus Christ has indeed uh, come from God. And that carries down to um, how we uh, respond to the gospel even today. We talk about often, you know, hearing and believing and repenting and confessing. And we make that we make the the points there about the, the like the example of the Ethiopian eunuch how they stopped the chariot, and, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, sometimes we might move past that pretty quickly, but what does that mean? It means what John is talking about here. We believe that Jesus is from God, and there's a lot to that. And it's not just a public confession. That's important, but think of the weight that that carries. It means that I believe that Jesus Christ was a man, that he was born of a virgin, that he was from God, and that he was deity. All those things are in that confession of who Jesus Christ is. So it's very important. Uh, And that's how we overcome these false teachers, those who who would seek to deny who Jesus Christ was. He goes on to say here um, this idea of greater is he. Greater is he, uh, verse 4 Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So the Spirit of God that dwells in them is greater than the Spirit that is in the world. And I, I made mention of our last time that we were studying this about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's very clear from this and other places that the Spirit of God dwells within us, and we shouldn't shy away from it. The Scripture bears that out. We talk often about the Spirit of God dwelling in us, the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us. Guess what? The Holy Spirit does too. But that Spirit of God dwells in us, and that's how uh, John is laying out the argument here about knowing who is from uh, which camp, if you will. Are you from the camp of truth? Then the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. Are you from the camp of, of the world? And the, the Spirit of God is not dwelling in you. We'll talk about that just a little bit more here in just a second. The, sp- the Spirit of the world. And that Spirit of the world is the other side of this, which is the Spirit of error. So let's talk about the Spirit of error here a little bit. He says that they are from the world, and they speak as such. You look there in verse uh, 5. They are from the world, Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. What does that mean? What does that mean when it says, they speak as from the world? Again, what we talked about this morning in the lesson, these are the doctrines of men. These are things that have been added on. These are things that go beyond the teachings of Jesus. These are things that man has put on. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. That's what's being talked about here. They speak from the world. These things have have come from the world, not from God. And he says there that the world listens to them. Paul, in his writing to Timothy, um, puts it as, you remember this, they want to have their ears tickled. You know, people heap up for themselves, teachers, they... And this is something that man deals with. They they want to hear what they want to hear. So they'll find someone that'll tell them what they want to hear. You have to be very careful about that. We have to look for teachers and preachers who are going to tell us what the Word of God says. Sometimes that's uh, very encouraging and and wonderful. Sometimes it might step on your toes. But that's the Word of God. It is that two-edged sword that cuts both ways. So the world... They, 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 they listen to themselves, if you will. And these are enemies of God. When these teachings are coming from the world, these are enemies of God. If they're not teaching and preaching the word of God, then they're preaching something different. It says they speak worldly things, of course. And these are the, the, the flowery language, the things that you want to hear. Those are worldly things. The word of God needs to be spoken True to, its, true to itself and true to its teachings. Lastly, let's talk about um, he who is in the world. Who is John mentioning here? In, in a, um, without calling him directly by name, we know who he's talking about here. He's talking about Satan. If we talk about good and evil, um, And on the evil side, we know who is the leader of that side. That is Satan. So when he talks about uh, those of the world and those in the world, and the world listens to itself, he's talking about the ones that are being led away and led astray. And Satan is, of course, behind that. In John 14 and verse 30, Jesus speaks of Satan in this way. He says, I will not speak much more with you, For the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. There's a reference to Satan there. The ruler of the world. And of course we're talking about the world of of sin. The the worldliness of man. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 2 and verse 2. It says, In which you were formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. There's that spirit again, the one that's working, the spirit was working in the sons of disobedience. So we can break it down like this again. If we look there in the end of verse 6, by this we know the spirit of truth, that's the spirit of God, and the spirit of error, that's the spirit of Satan. That's the one who leads men astray. That's the one who is working in the spirit, uh, the sons of disobedience. And so in this context here, John makes it very, very simple. Two camps. There's the camp of God and there's the camp of the world. And he says that it's very simple to know which camp you're in. If you believe and, and confess that Jesus Christ is from God, then you're in the Lord's camp. If not, then you're not. You're in the, the camp over here led by Satan, led by the evil portion of the world. So he makes it very, very clear and very, very simple. We'll end there for tonight. Um, next time, Lord willing, uh, I'd like to finish chapter 4. Um, we'll see if we make it. I hope, again, that this has been encouraging to you. Um, I hope you see uh, the power in God's word and how it is is so cutting uh, and so simple in its uh, presentation um, but so meaningful and the lessons that we can draw from it. We'll offer an invitation as we do at the end of our time together. If you have needs of the congregation, if you need prayers of the brethren, uh, if you need to confess a sin of a public nature, Whatever your needs might be, you can let it be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.